What if you worked in an office with only about 20 or 25 people? A lot of people spend most of their time at work, more time than they do at home. So you'd probably be pretty close to a lot of these people. You know when their birthdays are, you go out to lunch, there's the Christmas party and company picnics. Now imagine that 20% of the people in your office die of cancer in a short period of time. What if you then learn that your office, where you spend most of your time, where your friends are, is located on top of an old nuclear reactor that was supposed to have been shut down and moved, but it wasn't. So you dig a little deeper, and you find out that there was a deliberate cover-up of catastrophic accidents involving radioactive materials in order to gain the use of this land for economic development. What if you learned that the water was contaminated because the land was originally used by NASA to build parts for the Apollo and space shuttle programs, not to mention neutron bombs, a nuclear reactor, and radioactive materials, including uranium and chromium? What if you found out that the Department of Energy initially considered cleaning up the site under the Superfund program, but decided the potential for contamination was so remote, they didn't bother to test it? And what if there was a restrictive land use covenant that excluded the building of hospitals on the site? But that's just what they did anyway. And in this scenario that we're describing, not only do 20% of your office coworkers die of cancer, you get cancer too. But you survive to tell the tale. And you're ready to blow the lid on years of conspiracy Deception and lies by corporate and governmental agencies and countless deaths and illnesses caused by radioactive contamination. Welcome to Ascension Sisters. This is Cece Kelly, and I'm here with our whistleblower and special guest, Suzanne Helene, a former employee of a large well-known medical complex in Downey, California, that's built on what's known as a brownfield. And we'll go into a little bit more of what a brownfield is in that history in a bit. This location that we're talking about is uh, the location of a former NASA Boeing space program industrial plant, nuclear reactor, a radiochemical laboratory, and a neutron bomb factory with a history of operations going back to World War II. Suzanne, welcome to the program. Thanks, Cece. So why don't we start out by you telling us why you want to come forward at this point in time and basically blow the whistle on what's been going on at this medical facility. Okay. Well, after having had cancer, I, uh, in the past year, started to develop a lot of symptoms that they were telling me were an autoimmune disorder. And I started putting two and two together. There were a lot of people in my work unit who had cancer, who were very sick, who died. And I started thinking, you know, something's not right. And for my own health reasons, I decided to quit. But then I started to dig deeper. And when I did, I knew that this just couldn't end. I had to do some more. And so here I am. Very interesting. So why don't you set the stage for the audience, the listeners? Let's 
go take a step back and tell us about, you know, what was your job? Give us the details, all of that. And, you know, why did you get into this line of work in the first place? What, what put you in the situation that you would be exposed to uh, this radioactive environment? Okay. Well, I'm a psychiatric social worker and, um, you know, helping people and especially helping people in, uh, in need is something I've always had a calling for. And my job was in at a, a hotline and also on a uh, psychiatric emergency team where I would travel around to different hospital ERs and evaluating people who were there because they wanted to harm themselves, they wanted to harm someone else, or they had a mental illness so they couldn't function. And um, I was there to evaluate them. And um, my, you know, my work um, varied uh, depending on the site. Um, at the site where a lot of my coworkers were getting sick and, um, and those who had died, uh, we were a hotline. And these were people, uh, people would call who had like psychiatric emergencies. And we were 24 hour, seven days a week. And each of us did either 10 hour, 12 hour shifts at the same location. So we got to know each other really well. And so basically, so let's take another step back for a second. So you're on this night shift job, basically, and you're traveling around Southern California, and that brings you into contact with these locations. How is that? You know, is it the ERs that you have to go to? It's, it's mm-hmm. your office, too. So how are you coming into contact with this location that we're saying that was um, built on the former NASA site? Okay. Yes, it it was the emergency room where the uh, medical center was built on the former uh, NASA site, um, where they had the reactor and uh, and the experimental technologies, and also uh, across the street where we had our offices, where we um, also had our work unit for the emergency hotline. Okay. Very interesting. Now, when this facility that we're not naming yet. And we're not sure when or if we're going to name it because this is a highly controversial subject, basically claiming that this, you know, world-renowned facility is, you know, built on some kind of radioactive material. So we're not naming yet, but this facility, it's it's pretty new. It's the one the one that we're talking about opened around 2009. Is that correct? Correct. And when that opened, um, you were given a tour, mm-hmm. I understand, of the area. Maybe you can you can uh, tell us a little bit of uh, what that tour was like uh, for this brand new medical facility. Okay. Well, it's a huge facility, and we were brought through mainly the uh, the emergency room. But then also up to an area where they had the brand new state-of-the-art labor and delivery suite. But that wasn't until our tour um, included some commentary of the delay of opening the hospital. And, you know, and they said it was because of the water tests, that there were unsafe levels of radiation in the water and that uh, we should not drink from the w- drinking fountain. And in fact, where the drinking fountains were, they were taped off with a piece of paper over them. 
a piece of paper over the water fountains was yeah. where you would go to take a sip. Exactly. So, so kind of oh like you know, don't drink here. In fact, uh, I think there was written don't don't drink. So there were, um, you know, kind of covered up. So no one would drink from there. And so who who was telling you telling you about this? The person who was guiding the tour, and I I don't know her role exactly. If she was, you know, one of the people in the administration or or, you know, what her role was at the hospital, but she told us that the water had not tested uh, at safe levels of radiation, and that was delaying the opening of the hospital. And how did, how did what were you thinking, and how did you feel when, when you heard that piece of information? That's kind of an unusual piece of information to get on your first day of work. Yes, it was, and, you know, it raised my eyebrows. <laughs> then it occurred to me that, um, that well, this hospital is probably going to be there, you know, vacant for a long time. I just thought there's no way if it, if the levels of radiation were unsafe for a hospital, then you know they're going to be. It's it, maybe they'll never open. I mean, anyway, that's what went through my mind at the time. And did you think it was unusual that, like, why would? anyone ever mentioned, oh, the levels of radiation have tested too high, as if they took that for granted that there are levels of radiation. I mean, isn't that, like, why would you even think that? In the first, why would anyone think that in the first place? Do all hospitals test for levels of radiation in the water? I would not know. Yeah, that, that seems very unusual. Mm-hmm. So after you heard this, so now you, you're, you're starting, you know, you're, you're given access to this new facility. It's part of your job. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be there, as we said, you know, people spend more time at work than they do at home, unfortunately. And you're going to be spending time here. Did you ever think about your personal safety after they announced that the water was radioactive? I did to an extent. I thought about the water and I'm like, all right, I'm definitely not going to drink the water. But what about when I wash my hands? So... What was the tape in the bathrooms on the water fountains? I mean, or rather on the faucets? No, you could wash your hands. And uh, I just thought, well, maybe, you know, have enough exposure. It's not if I don't ingest it. But I I did continue to think about it. Yeah. The other people, there were other people on this tour with you, like a typical office tour. Here's where this room here, Mm -hmm. this, this is where this room is. So there were other People now, the people on the tour with you were. Did you work with them, or were they in other departments? Oh, I worked with them. Okay. And did anyone react to this news that hey, don't drink from the water fountains? It might be radioactive. Did anyone have a, a a reaction that you can remember? No, no one said a thing. And why why do you think they didn't say anything? The only thing I guess you know when we go um, during the we were night owls, basically. We work uh, a nocturnal shift. So you bring us to anything during the day, and we're going to be half awake. <laughs> so the only thing I could think is the sleep deprivation, maybe just zoning out, um, or just shocked, any number of things. Right. And then plus, it's your first day of work. You don't want to rock the boat, maybe. There's a little bit of that kind of corporate mentality which is which is natural we're just programmed for that a lot of the time agreed so 
did you ever think about what might have made the water radioactive? Did you give that any thought at all? Um, well, all I know is that they mentioned that um, Boeing had been there before. And I thought, well, is there something with like jet fuel ex or experiments? Or, I mean, I would only speculate only to myself. Okay, so I had no no clue what that might be. I no really didn't know where to go with that information in terms of what may have made the water exactly. radioactive. Yeah, I, I really didn't. It was my own my own speculation that it could have had something to do with what they were doing with, you know, uh, besides manufacturing aircraft, maybe other things. Interesting. So originally, the woman giving the tour said. This was before the facility officially opened? Yes. Okay. And how soon after you had the tour and they said the water was radioactive, don't drink it, what was the time frame approximately that you remember between that and then the facility actually opening? Two days. Two days. And yeah. did you think that was weird at all? Yes. Why did you think that was weird? Well, <laughs> um, I... My jaw dropped. I remember. How is that possible? I thought somebody must have fudged the test. How could it possibly be too high one day and safe two days later? I thought, oh, no, there's something, something funny going on. Interesting. So now this medical uh, facility, it was more than one you know, office space. We're talking mm -hmm. about one space in Downey, but um, there were more locations where you had to be. And I'm just wondering if those other locations also had um, any problems. Well, yes, actually, uh, um, one of the locations I go to is in Woodland Hills, and uh, that was also built on uh, in an area where they had touched, moved, moved the nuclear reactor that used to be in, you know, in Downey up to Santa Susana. And um, they had um, a facility on DeSoto, which is where the Woodland Hills Hospital was. So I worked in two hospitals that were on what we call brownfields where they had. Okay. And were there, were there any other incidents Mm -hmm. um, at any of yeah. the other facilities. Oh, yeah. You know, at Woodland Hills, I remember the day they were, you know, don't don't use the sink. Don't drink any water because uh, we have had, there's uh, some legionnaires, um, uh, like, uh, like a, um, uh, but I thought legionnaires was airborne. Um, mm -hmm. but they, you know, not an outbreak, but they said that there's the legionnaires bacteria and so we could not use any water, and then they actually did have to close it down uh, for a brief period. And this is the the Woodland Hills. Yeah, it was Woodland Hills. Yeah. They said there was some kind of Legionnaires outbreak, but Legionnaires is supposed to be airborne. But they were blaming it on the water specifically. Well, they said not to use the water. Yeah, we couldn't use the water in any no, any no no sinks at all. There was just we couldn't. Well, only bottled water, but no, I, I don't know why. And was this incident ever explained beyond this blaming on Legionnaires disease? No. Mm -mm. 
things are just really not explained there. It's pretty much here's, you know, don't do this. It's like on a needs to know basis, essentially. Were you, were you ever filled in in that case? Was there ever a need for you to know? Or were you always kind of on the outside? I was on the outside, especially I would travel. I would uh, go and evaluate patients at Woodland Hills and, um, and also the, in the Downey emergency room and then leave. So, mm-hmm. you know, I may not be there for the entire duration of my shift. I was there frequently, but not enough to really, you know, get the skinny on what's going on. Interesting. And when these outbreaks happened, the radioactive water, when the first facility was opening up, the Legionnaires outbreak at another facility, mm-hmm. was there any, you know, gossip or any, any just underpinnings of any kind of information going back and forth with the workers, the doctors, or anyone that you had contact with? Okay. Well, I'll tell you, in, in Downey, yeah, I'm, I just would hear buzz about Boeing and, you know, and uh, contamination that wasn't contained well, uh, but I never understood why that was. Uh, so like something wasn't cleaned up or uh, it was just in little bits like that that gave me the impression that there was more than just aircraft being manufactured there. Okay. So we mentioned in the opening that a pretty you know, high percentage of people that you worked with, you know, got, had cancer mm-hmm. and died. And there were other illnesses as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you could talk about, um, you know, at this point in time, you know, after you started, you know, how many workers had cancer and then how did that number grow and, and what, what was happening with these people? Mm, Okay. Well, let's see. So, well, when I started, um, one of our um, medical directors had um, been battling uh, cancer that apparently was metastasized in two other areas and, and you know, other organs affected. And so she was in and out of, um, of uh, chemotherapy. And another uh, coworker, I hadn't gotten to know him really well at that time, but he... Um, had a uh, cancer that just went into prostate cancer had just gone into remission. And so that was early on. And as I continued to work there, uh, we had a guy who um, was a picture of health and uh, would always, I mean, he, he was all about fitness and he gets uh, diagnosed with non-smokers lung cancer and then um, another guy, he worked, worked as like an administrative assistant, very quiet, unassuming person. And suddenly he was gone. And, you know, I remember the boss saying, oh, he's a faker or, you know, and, you know, I thought, well, say something like that about a coworker. And he doesn't come back again. And then we find out, incidentally, he died. So and nobody talked about that. So, uh, so wow. that was, you know, kind of that, that kind of moves into, um, you know, like five years of my employment at that point. Okay. Right? So over the course of five years, about how many people would you say altogether developed, you know, the various uh, issues, you know, cancer or otherwise? Okay. Well, so 
you know, I mean, I, I, all I can tell you is this, you know, I was there, um, you know, for nine years. Okay. And over that time, there were nine different people who developed cancer or other uh, uh, very mysterious illnesses dying not long after they were discovered and also uh, becoming very sick with treatment resistant um, illnesses, having multiple surgeries or growths that keep coming back. And, um, and then of course I myself had cancer and, you know, in surgery for that. So that's an awful lot of people. Right. So how, how many people? Uh, nine people. Nine people yeah. um, developed cancer. No, not all cancer. Not all cancer. Okay. Some of them were, I mean, there was one person, and it's really hard to know. I mean, apparently he had some some kind of brain tumor um, or a, some type of hemorrhage or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they, they even discovered what that was because he died relatively, um, you know, just like within less than a month of, of the initial symptoms. So there were nine people who had serious illnesses related to cancer or mm-hmm. cancer itself. Yeah. And about four people died. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, as far as with, if you want to know cancer specifically. Okay. So we had, um, you know, uh, our medical director at the time she died, um, a coworker, um, who had the lung cancer, he died. Uh, another coworker who had uh, cancer, who uh, he went into remission and survived and then a fourth coworker um, was out for a year, um, and uh, her cancer. She has a pretty serious cancer and colon cancer, and had and she um, and she survived. Um, we had um, now two coworkers. It's hard to know. I don't really know what they had. All I know is it's something to do with um, with a uh, brain um, uh, something. You know, I, I really don't, not exactly sure. But all I can tell you is that he had. Um, uh, something that affected his brain, and he had uh, liver failure, and he died. And then another guy, completely mysterious malady, um, who and you know he he died of some some form of strange illness. So so those were the individuals who died. Um, but you know all the four who have cancer, one died. Uh, no, two died. Um, two lived. Um, actually, I lived too. <laughs> And uh, and then the two people who died of um, other types of illnesses. Interesting. So did anyone think it was unusual for so many people to get sick and for there to be so many fatalities in, in really a short period of time, all clustered in the same, you know, work environment? You know, I don't think anybody, uh, seriously, I have to say, I, I think I'm the only one who, who has put this together um, because of my own situation, because nobody else has. And, and I don't mind. I, I don't know if you mind if I kind of tell a little bit about the what we do. The unit is all about handling mental health emergencies. I mean, these are some serious issues that we deal with, and it's very intense. And you're on the phone dealing with one emergency after another. And when someone's gone, you know, you just got to keep going on. It's just like you're in the trenches fighting a war and, you know, and, and, you know, your, your body falls over next to you and, you know, you don't have time to stop and even think about what happened. So it's that intense there. So I, I, so I think, you know, people just become immune 
to their surroundings. Interesting. And you mentioned that you were you had cancer. You are obviously surviving. When did you first notice anything negative health-wise in, in this experience? Oh, gosh. That's kind of... Well, and also, and also, ultimately, what were you diagnosed with? Maybe start with that. Your ultimate diagnoses. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, at first it was, um, you know, like a year before um, I had been um, diagnosed. I had, I found out I had a um, like a benign um, a tumor in my pituitary gland, and. Um, and then within the next year, I started to have uh, very abnormal menstrual bleeding. And um, then it got to a point where I would find myself um, being, I mean, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, but, you know, personal, you know, my personal care, it was, you know, I would drive all night, okay? And sometimes I couldn't make it through my shift because I, I had, you know, kind of a mess to clean up. Um, I remember getting so dizzy, I would have to hold onto the wall sometimes. And I didn't know what was wrong, but this is a strange thing about the job is that you keep pressing on and then, you know, it's not until, you know, you it gets really debilitating, you know, that you actually do something. And in that case, I, I ended up going to the doctor and uh, they had to do a couple of procedures to, um, and then a biopsy actually after a DNC and, and uh, told me I had um, endometrial cancer. And in fact, showed me a picture of the tumor that was in my uterus. And, that was followed by a hysterectomy. Yes, that's. They told me that's all. They had to do a total hysterectomy, and that would. Um, in my case, that was curative. And most recently, you were also diagnosed with uh, a number of other things. Yeah. Correct? Yes, and, and that kind of leads me to why I'm here at this point and blowing the whistle because I to tell you. So I developed a cluster of symptoms. Uh, starting off with um, some, uh, un- my thyroid was uh, underactive, um, hypothyroidism, um, but it wasn't for lack of thyroid stimulating hormone. It was apparently I had antibodies um, that were um, like essentially attacking the thyroid tissue. I had uh, developed also um, symptoms of fatty liver disease and uh, Insulin resistance was, meant that I was developing a uh, type 2 diabetes. So all of this together, uh, they were telling me I'm looking at Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease. And um, at that point, I look around me. I look at the fact that I had cancer. I see that, you know, I'm, I'm in this environment that is intensely stressful. And there's something about the environment um, you know, my physical environment, that's not right. So all that together, how many more wake-up calls did I need? And so where does that leave us today? So obviously your colleagues got sick, you know, four, you know, nine people had cancer, four people died. Uh, one of your colleagues went partially blind. There were other mm-hmm. disabilities. Yeah. This Out of a very small group of people in a very short period of time, now you get sick too. You're here to tell the tale. So, and then we're looking at the radioactive water and this Legionnaires 
outbreak and where does that where does that leave you today where are you today okay well today i'll tell you i just decided i'm quitting this i i quit i sold everything i took a cross country trip to start my life over and i said you know i'm going to take a risk it's better to wait and uh, better to to start over than to just stay where I was and see what would happen, which I didn't think was going to be very good. Well, this has been uh, very revealing, and we want to thank you for being so transparent and vulnerable and starting to tell your story. And we're going to continue to tell Suzanne's story, and we're going to go into the background of this uh, location in Downey and look at what NASA and Boeing and the space program was doing there and whether or not this nuclear reactor was removed from the location and uh, whether or not the site was tested. And we also have uh, some soil and water samples, new ones that we're going to tell you about and we're going to have them tested and uh, we will tell you about it live on the air in the coming weeks. So we invite you to join us next week for another episode of Ascension Sisters with Cece Kelly and Dan Colleen. Thanks for tuning in.